0: to three. Come with me, and you'll be in a world of. Do re mi fa sol do.
1: You have found Daniel Donato's lost highway.
0: Yeah!
1: That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. We are here. We have arrived at the lost. Highway, the podcast of all things Cosmic Country, uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, had a lot going on this past week, had several projects I was working on, uh, did five co-writing sessions, had two four-hour shows because Nashville is opening up the opportunity for live music to be a real thing again, and um, the most important thing of all is I was really focused on this three-part video sequence that's going to accompany the new Cosmic Country album. Uh, through all of this isolation that happened in 2020 there it, not only did it fly by I had a couple realizations that like flew and like hit me in the head and uh, one of them was that my my life my story uh, so far in life I'm about to be 26 kind of falls into this three act structure that you uh, you've seen in many movies which kind of is like the life simulation concept and the three act structure is where there is a there's a call to power there's a recognition of potential two, Um, There is perhaps chaos that is going to get in the way of you fulfilling your potential. And then part three is when the potential is achieved and you've learned your lesson. The hero has learned their lesson that you go through chaos and you go through discipline and you go through life friction in order to attain the things that you want. And my story of busking on the street when I was 14 for eight hours a day, discovering this very obscure but very well-known a house band at this crazy bar, honky tonk, called Roberts Western World, and discovering what country music was, what bluegrass music, outlaw country, Americana, country funk, Texas country, Bakersfield country, all these kinds of country music through this band. Going and seeing that band every weekend, and I'm giving my business card and say, I want to play in your band. I know all 80 songs that you guys do, and I don't mind playing for four hours a night, four days a week, like you guys do. I want to do it even though I'm 16, 17. I don't have a girlfriend, I don't care. <laughs> I did have a girlfriend at the time, but I dumped her at the Williamson County State Fair to go play a show with this band. They eventually called me to play in their in their band. And I was the youngest guy to ever do it. They had all these legendary players play in their band. and So I learned a lot in my 2,000 plus hours of playing at Robert's Western World, the Don Kelly Band. And um, I want to tell that a story now because now my new goal is to take the Cosmic Country Sound, my version of it that I've developed, and, 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 and through experience, I've been still developing and still learning. Um, I want to take that and I want to sell it to Ryman with it. That's the goal now. Um, and I want to to kind of make an observation through content on how a goal can come, become to be uh, a reality, uh, just that it already has in my life and now how I'm projecting a new goal. Um, and so I wanted to be really focused on that this past week and hence why I didn't do another podcast. Uh, again, I'm turning 26 soon. So I've looked at back at these first five years of my 20s and I realized I probably took on too many things and turned too many songs in, um, played too many shows, and might have just not been present enough and taking on too many things in hopes to, like, fulfill the hustle, quote-unquote. I think it's a quality, not quantity thing. Um, but always be working hard so that's what's going on right now two reasons why i mention that is because one i want to get you guys excited about this new cosmic country album and two because i think leaning into who you are as an individual and finding power in your authenticity which requires you to love yourself and be empathetic with yourself um is not part of the general dialogue that's going on today with creating things and working hard um so that's what's going on behind this record. Only individuality and and, and uh, trying to be authentic. Um, achieving authenticity, I don't know. But um, that's at least the mission statement. And then two, doing that through content as well. I just want to get that through to you guys. So uh, thank you guys for listening. This is going to be a fantastic episode today. Uh, feel free to support the podcast on Patreon. Feel free to support the podcast on, um, follow the podcast on Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And most importantly, join the Cosmic Country Club. Like, I don't get why you wouldn't be in the Cosmic Country Club because we're about to tour this year. We're about to release new merchandise. Um, we have a new album coming out. All kinds of things that are going to help enhance the positive framework uh, that operates within your mind, both musically through content and all kinds of things. It's free. Uh, you guys will dig it. Stay patient, stay persistent, stay positive. My next guest today is Miss Ashley Campbell. Incredibly talented, uh, well-spoken, graceful, and also very funny. I loved this conversation. I discovered Ashley when I was randomly going through Spotify radio and one of her songs came on like an Allison Krauss radio station. I was jogging in the morning. And um, she just has this very friendly and playful sound when she plays music. And I hear it in her songwriting. And I love the youthful energy that music um, is is a uh, reality for. And she very much so dwells in that space. Um, this was a wonderful conversation. I just hit her up randomly on Instagram before. We had never met before. Uh, we talked about hairless cats, uh, bluegrass music. Uh, what makes country music very stellar and and a lot of also deep things as well like self-love and empathy and fantastic cosmic conversation with truly the one and only miss ashley campbell ashley thank you for taking the time to to talk today yeah thanks for having me this is a real treat yeah i uh i discovered your music by accident i was um even though it's very cold in nashville right now i still like try to get out and run in the mornings and, um, I, I think it was one of your songs. I'm looking at your album right now and I can't remember which one it was, but I've just gotten into something lovely, like as a big fan since then, this might've been a couple weeks ago, like when I reached out to you and, uh, I ran this song by my friend D white and he was like, I wrote with her once. And so I wanted <laughs> to know if do you remember writing with, with D and, and if you guys got a good song at all? You oh m- my gosh, I
0: would have to look through the archives because you know, it, it, I moved to Nashville in 2013 and I got a publishing deal with Warner Chapel, and they mm. were setting me up with like five writes a week.
1: That's um, absurd that you can't so write that was, many songs. I met,
0: yeah, I, I met a lot of people in those first couple months, and you know, <laughs> it was oh. a whirlwind. So I, I remember Amy White. So I, I'm gonna look through my, um, my song, my lyrics, and see if D. White's written in any of those as the as the writer. Because I'm now I'm curious.
1: <laughs> yeah, he said y'all wrote a really good song. I think he said you played banjo in in the co-write, which was kind of like in wow. Nashville. A lot of people don't blink they don't bring banjos to co-writes, and I think that's really cool.
0: Well, thanks. Yeah, I try to switch it
1: up every once in a while. Uh, that instrument is the ultimate way of switching things up because it's just the tuning on it's so interesting, right? It's like two, it's open tuning, right? And the high string, like you rarely hit that top high string. Is that correct? I have no experience playing banjo, I'm a complete tourist.
0: Uh, wow. Well, um yeah, so yeah, it's a tune to open G um generally. And the high string throws people off who are used to the, the string closest to your face being the lowest. Um, especially bass players. My bass player friend was like, I don't know. Take this witchcraft away. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, it's fun. I mean changing up changing up the instruments really like brings a different vibe to a song and you might write a totally different song than you would have written on two guitars, you know.
1: Guitar can be really predictable Like you can really allow it to become something that's very predictable especially if it's just the acoustic guitar and you're staying in standard tuning have you always done banjo I was watching old videos of you and you seem to like have always played that instrument
0: you know I didn't even start playing banjo until I was about like 21 years old Um, oh wow but I've been
1: playing yeah how old are you now oh god I'm 34 that's great that's not an oh god that's a great age that's fantastic that's perfect. Oh, I know. I love being thirty-four. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Is it so? Like, why is being <laughs> is being thirty-four better than being twenty-one?
0: For me, it is because I know so much more about myself, and and I'm so much more comfortable with who I am. And
1: right. and
0: I love like when I turned thirty, I was so excited. Mm. Um, like I was, I felt so free, and I feel like as each year goes on. Some people get it a lot earlier, but I've always been kind of a late bloomer. But I just lose my give a shit every year. And the more you, the more, the less you care about what others think of you, the better
1: you become. I think I know. I know. That's like, so I was born with this. Just, I don't even know what it is, but like on my earliest report cards, it was always like, Daniel talks too much. Daniel tries to be the center of attention. You know, Daniel is like trying to be the leader in class and it manifested from like kindergarten all the way up until like when I graduated high school and it's simply this thing I can't stop and it's just like you just have to stop giving a shit eventually and just be who you are that's a really fantastic thing that's beautiful and so did you have that like your whole life of not giving a shit or was it like entering your 30s that allowed you to kind of embrace that?
0: It was really and like as I entered my 30s like I said I'm a late bloomer so I used to care way too much what people thought mm. like so much so that it, I think it stunted me in like be, becoming more original and and even enjoying myself like some to, to some extent like and I think that's that's a, a larger problem within a lot of our culture is like we care so much about what other people think and other people's opinions But we are seeing, which is I think is really great. We're seeing a real step forward in um, in popular culture and social media, where people are celebrating all types of body shapes and and originality and um, you know gender identity and yeah. I I just think it's great, you know. But I grew up in a time when it was just like, oh, you're not a cheerleader. Yeah, you know? that's really, that's
1: very true. I grew up in a town in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and it was like all, it's a big like football town and a Christian town. And I I went to church like one time growing up. My, my mom's Jewish, my parents are from the Northeast, so they don't get Southern culture. And so there was none of that like in my household. I didn't really, there were a couple of years there, I didn't know how to relate to people really. And guitar and music allowed me to relate to myself more. And that allows you to relate to more people when you're more comfortable in your own skin. But there is that pressure, whether it's on social media or whether it's like in the people you interact with in like a peer community way to kind of like play the game of normality and, and, and be yourself and like, not really be yourself. But it seems like the older we get, we're like, uh, you, you have the opportunity to really embrace being yourself more. Um, You mentioned like, uh, very cool seeing the, how culture is reflecting on, uh, embracing multiple body types and, and just people who they are. Like I saw recently, like Johnson and Johnson stopped like something for their 2021 ads. They're not doing like any, like, uh, Photoshopping or anything crazy. Then they're, they're focusing on hiring like plus size models for a lot of their, um, uh, a lot of their ads, and and they're focusing on bringing in other races, and they're focusing on bringing in more of a variety of people, as opposed to like um, uh, uh advertising like this kind of uh, stereotype of a person that's not really achievable. You know, that's the thing that scares me about like TikTok and and um, Snapchat. Like my nine year old sister, like seeing filters on her face, and her like being insecure that she know. doesn't look like that. Oh gosh, that's horrible. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a yeah. weird thing. It's a weird, you know. It's it's very strange. But man, I mean, like in terms of like you like expressing who you are and doing that on an individual level, that's really cool. Like you do a fantastic job of doing that. Is that something you're conscious of on social media? Are you trying to like make a point to be honest and be transparent about those things?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I'm you know I never try to be quote unquote cool or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, I just try and be myself, which is this person who's come from a lot of different backgrounds. Like I used to do comedy in LA. Like I wasn't always a musician. So I, I, you know, I be very silly on my Instagram or whatever. You know, I don't worry about looking good or anything like that. You know, obviously you take care of yourself and you love yourself, but you know, I don't always wear makeup and Mm -hmm. anything like that. And yeah, I don't either. You know. Yeah, I, I can tell, you know, you have very natural you don't need it, honey. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool you did comedy like uh i have listened to comedy on a daily basis since i was like nine or ten years old before i even got into music my dad made it a big point to make sure that i always listen to comedians because there's a kind of um they have a they have a an, an a, like a permission to really criticize perhaps the more ostentatious odd things that society is kind of implying on people and comedians can kind of poke fun at it
0: yeah yeah exactly i i don't know if you've ever read steve martin did a he wrote a book he wrote an autobiography called born standing up and it's so interesting but he said you know i was always worried about running out of material and i think this applies to songwriting too Mm. but he said um comedy is a reflection of what's happening right now and there will always be something happening right now and so i've kind of applied that to all yeah, all aspects of creativity, you
1: know? Whoa, that's really cool. I'm writing that down because that's very nice. I like like (laughs) little, I like little simple, like I think Einstein said, it. like if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it. And it's like, that is really so true. Comedy is a representation of something that's happening right now. And yeah, but that's hard because not everybody wants to be brave enough to be present and observe what's really happening.
0: Yeah. And I, I don't know, this year has been such a crazy year, politically, especially. And and I've started thinking more of my political views. And even I don't even consider it like, like the Black Lives Matter protest. I don't consider that a political view. I consider that a human rights view. And, you, you know, maybe you wouldn't be surprised at how much backlash I got from some, let's say, right wing fans that just said, I'm unfollowing you. I thought you were better than that, you know. Mm. You're just like, I don't care. You know, Yeah. I don't, I try not to post political things. Like I'm, I hate Trump, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But yeah. cause that is polarizing, but I post things that matter to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, and people say, Oh, shut up and just sing your music. Like they said to the Dixie chicks. And it's like, yeah. that's never been what music is about. Look at the sixties, you know, with the Vietnam war, you know, and those people probably love those artists, you know, like the doors and, Buffalo Springfield, you know? They were very political and you love their music.
1: <laughs> and you love their music and even if you don't know who they are, you know the songs they wrote. And that's really the interesting thing is to see like when an artist or a band stop uh like manifesting and they stop creating records or they they literally die or something like that, they the songs ca- carry on, right? And they get covered and they get played in bars, and they get played on jukeboxes when you're at some dive bar with your friends or before COVID, or when you're at like a tapas bar like the other night with my girlfriend, like Good Time Charlie's Got the Blues came on. I'm like, I guarantee no one in here really gets the Vietnam reference about this because no one was listening. And, you know, it's just like, it's funny to see how truth manifests in song, and then it keeps lingering. Forever. And it's like, that really is the truest thing of what you're saying is like a human rights movement is way bigger than like a political ideology or an agenda. Yeah. And that's really like, should be like, if you're trying to promote human rights, that's way more true and genuine than trying to promote your political partisan stance on social media when rightfully so like a large part of your audience is subscribing to you do based on your music. But like everyone believes like, you know, human rights exists outside of a, of a political sphere, like largely um you know when you get into our country it gets a little strange but you know it's true it's like it's very funny like i watched this interview the other day or this documentary on the pygmies in africa and like these people have like no clothes they have like no shoes like they don't know what yeezys are they don't know about louis (laughs) vuitton like they don't know anything and it's like they don't know iphones or angry birds and it's like um their ideas of rights and their ideas of love and their ideas of meaning of life were very similar to, you know, I'm, t- I'm going to be 26 this year. So, you know, we have an eight year difference, which isn't very large, like within our generation, like we're born in a world difference from the pygmies, but yet we still render similar agendas and ideologies on what makes a happy human existence. And I think it's kind of funny, like when you mention those things on social media, people make it. Like that's a little, Mm -hmm. that's a little interesting. Like what are your, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? Oh gosh. Um, Like, how do you, how do you respond when people are like, why don't you just like, just play banjo and just, and and shut up?
0: I I have responded. I don't always respond because sometimes there's no helping people, but I will respond sometimes. uh, This one in particular, if I can remember my own quote correctly, it was something like, Okay, go ahead and unfollow me. Um, yeah. you know, I'm just expressing an opinion. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just expressing something that I am for. Right. And I hope you enjoy right. the rest of your life where you have no contrary opinions in your life and you will never grow and you will never learn. Yeah. Enjoy your life, sir.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. It's like it's very, very scary the fact that we can live in these uh these like feedback cycles of of what we only think is correct. And that even musically, like not even talking about politics. If you only listen to music that you think is good and is only within your domain of expertise within a small genre, you're going to sound bland and you're not going to sound alive and you're not going to sound inspired. So like, why would the domain of political ideology and, and how you are as a person not be the exact same. It's like you have to have conversations with people that feel a little bit differently than you, because that's what life's all about.
0: Yeah, and I think as long as we do it in a in an intelligent and logical and pull po- and uh, what's the word courteous way, you know. <laughs> But it often turns into these shouting matches, and yeah. and then all of a sudden we're we're focusing on correcting the misuse of they, their, theirs, you know, <laughs> which is the most common thing. There, that apostrophe, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one. I am. Uh, I'm a little ashamed every time I still have to Google some of those, like it's versus. <laughs> it's?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I think about that all the time. I was actually just thinking about it because I was writing in a journal, and mm. I was like, okay, it's. Uh, I think it's without the apostrophe, it's possessive, but with the apostrophe, it's it is, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah which
1: is the so contrary. <laughs> it's like, what's the deal there? Who, Who? like, was that Ralph Waldo Emerson just trying to be a dick? Like, what's Probably. he? Probably. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, so I think you mentioned, I want to get to journaling because I really have always mm. um, thought about that in a way, and it's evolved in my life in different ways, going from digital to writing it down. But- on the one thing here, I think as opposed to saying people hate Trump or they hate Joe Biden, why do we talk about the people we hate? It's like the concept of like, if you want to stop war, don't say no war, say yes, peace. It's like, why even mm-hmm. acknowledge the fact that that is a cat? What do we got going on here? That's great. <laughs> That's he. Hey, buddy. I really want a hairless cat. I don't know if you've ever messed around with those.
0: I want one so bad.
1: They seem so cool. <laughs> Everyone's like they're so ugly. I'm like no, they're adorable and weird and cute. That's what I'm saying like I think cuteness and weirdness can absolutely be parallel.
0: Yeah, they're I love them. And the same with those like hairless whatever like weird dogs. The one from uh
1: Mexico. How
0: to lose a guy in 10 days. Yeah, yeah.
1: How to lose a <laughs> hairless chihuahua. Lose, what's how to lose a guy in 10 days? Oh, it's like that. As,
0: Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. It's a cute little romantic comedy, but she's like a journalist and she's trying to see, you know, she's dating this guy and she's like how she's doing all the stereotypes of why guys break up with girls. And she's trying them all on this guy and he has no idea. And she, they've been dating for a couple of days and she gets a dog. She's like, it's our dog. And it's that <laughs> the hairless dog. And he's like, Oh my God, that, uh, it's so good. It's funny to hear. My friend has a hairless. chihuahua.
1: <laughs> oh, we a hairless Chihuahua. Chihuahuas? Yeah, her name is Sasha. Have you ever been to Mexico? Yeah, yeah. Um, have you seen wild chihuahuas out in Mexico? Have you ever encountered them? Never, oh never. My God. They are, they are vicious dogs. There was a there was a festival <laughs> I was playing in Mexico in 2019 in Todo Santos, which is like Baja area. And uh my God, like these Chihuahuas, like I'll go for a run in the morning, and they just like kind of hop out of like. It's like aloe vera plant out of nowhere. And they just bite your heels. <laughs> like they're mean, big dogs. Angles beware, yeah. <laughs> oh
0: my <laughs> like God. I had a dog kn-
1: that would. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah, they can be, you know, whatever. We like, we definitely like, so when we were living in New Jersey, we lived in like across the street from this graveyard in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And we had oh. dozens and dozens of cats. We had loads of German shepherds in the- I, I'm kind of living like loving life without dogs right now, like uh, not having that responsibility. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, it's all right. Like, I know I'll we'll get one one day. I, I don't know. We had a chihuahua too for like about, I think you lived to be about 13 years old. They're really good dogs, uh, despite how they might mm-hmm. be in the Matthew McConaughey movie. I'm not exactly sure, although I'm a huge fan of him. Oh,
0: I don't, that wasn't a chihuahua. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I have a miniature schnauzer.
1: How does that happen? How does the schnauzer get miniature? Aren't those large dogs? They, they started miniature.
0: They start I think. small. They were yeah. bred. They start small. I think they're a German breed and they were bred to uh, hunt rats.
1: So oh, my dog cool. goes
0: crazy when he sees a squirrel. You know, he's, it's like his instincts kick in. That's um, what people don't
1: get. They, they like, try to dress their dogs up in sweaters and they act like they're not vicious murderers. Like they are. That's what they want to <laughs> yeah. do. They want to kill things. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: Frodo is a is a very noble beast. <laughs> Frodo, so you're a J.R. Tolkien fan? One
0: hundred percent. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god, me too. I'm a massive fan, like way more so than Star Wars. Do I like Lord of the Rings? Like it's oh, not even. Oh, totally. Comic.
0: Totally. Me too. No
1: contest whatsoever. Yeah, that's what I don't get. People like hate on Lord of the Rings. They're like, the animation's not that good. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you even saying? Like, have you read any of the books? Like, you
0: don't even. even yeah, but the animation, I mean, even today, like the the Smeagol CGI stands up like
1: Yeah, it does. It really holds up. Uh Smeagol is yeah. an amazing, it's an ama- I relate to Smeagol all the time because I totally feel like him. Like it's that that back and forth of having this one desire in life of having like the goal, the precious, and feel like last year's COVID pandemic quarantine allowed me to re-examine my goals and be like, you don't need this one thing that you're trying to attain in life. And it's like that whole Smeagol character is very much so relatable. Uh, it's a wow. relatable guy, oddly enough.
0: I never thought about it that way. But yeah, as far as last year, it, like when you're, the thing that you do that you identify yourself as, you know, music, playing live shows, that's our identity. And that yeah. was taken away from us for a whole year and and you know, still ongoing. We don't, you know, I, I mean, in Nashville it's still open. I'm actually in Northern Ireland right now.
1: Whoa, um, and that's awesome.
0: Totally but like, yeah, it's pretty cool. But but touring is still like kind of off the table for us all. And, you know, I it had a huge crisis of identity over last year and And it was a very good thing for me, you know, finding the silver lining. Um, But I started thinking, okay, well, what is life without music, without like that aspect of music? You know, I still play music at home, but, but what do I find joy in? And what are my goals outside of music? And so it's, it's opened up a world for me and I've, I've, you know, started doing a lot more things just for pleasure. You know, it's not all about what can I accomplish today. It's about how can I enjoy today? Um, So I've read a lot of books and I've actually kind of decided since this year is still kind of so iffy as far as making plans, I'm going to try and live in Europe this year.
1: (laughs) Ooh, that's great. That's really awesome. I love Europe. We went there in in October of of, of 2019 for about 14 days. And it was just like an absolutely Mm -hmm. fantastic time. Really was. It was beautiful. Um, Never been to Ireland. What's your synopsis on Ireland? What's the vibe there? How are the people?
0: I love Ireland. So I I actually did an 11-day tour here um, back in 2019. And I've I've toured here with my dad um, a couple years before and always just the best times. And the audiences in Ireland and the UK are just so stellar they they like are quiet and they listen and they know all the songs in the album and they, they sing along when you want them to and um <laughs> it's just really nice, really nice people um so i i love being over here i've got some close close friends over here that i'm staying with right now they just moved here from los angeles and they're actually italian um but they oh. moved to Belfast so so we're just staying out here we're actually in a I'll sh- i wonder if i could show you we're in a yeah. year old cottage what that is great and it's on the sea let's see if you can see out the window
1: oh my god it's beautiful it's amazing that monitor is absurd too look at that that is gorgeous
0: yeah so my friend is a film editor she's a professional um editor so she's got her whole setup right there
1: whoa so is are you just renting this cottage or is it yours
0: She's renting it. She um she just found a house that she put an offer on and they accepted so she's moving. She's renting this place until like May. Oh
1: my god, that's beautiful. So you're going to be you're going to not come back to the states at all this year.
0: If uh if my dog wasn't wasn't still in Nashville, I'm going back to Nashville at the end of the month and I'm going to make preparations. I have a gig in Kentucky that's still in the books. Um it's like a Kentucky Derby private party at its outdoors, like on some lake. Um, so that's still on the book. I'm, I'm staying until that gig. That's like May 1st. And then
1: I'm planning to take my dog back to Europe and try to live in France. Whoa. So why, why France? Is that like a fashion thing? Are you wanting to be around that kind of creative culture or is it?
0: I love, I love France. I've spent a lot of time there. I have, um, people who are like family that live there. Um, They they're like my grandparents almost, but they're not related to me. And they live in the south of France. And for as long as I can remember, since since I first met them in 2014, I I went and visited them, and I've gone every year since. And I've just all my goals have been how can I get back to France and. So I'm just going to, and I love speaking French, so I want to become fluent. So that's another goal of mine that I'm going to try to achieve this year. So France is the place and they have um, croissants, you know, I don't know if you
1: knew that they have croissants. So you (laughs) confirmed it. I was, I was on the fence whether they officially (laughs) did, but yeah, that's the thing. There's a weird, there's a weird, I believe we definitely have senses that, are aware of things that necessarily might not be visible. And when you go to certain areas on this earth that are outside of the U S some of them feel more like home. Yeah. And absolutely. it's very weird. Very mm-hmm. strange. You found that in France. How weird is that? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any lineage in
0: France or anything <laughs> like that? Not that I know of. Not mm, really. Interesting. I just really, I connect with the culture and, and the people and, um. Yeah, that's How cool. Did. That's awesome. That's like, I already very fun. I already looked into bluegrass groups in Paris. So I, there's this group that meets once a once a month on a barge, and they play old time and bluegrass music. And I already reached out to them. I'm like, I'm coming with my banjo.
1: <laughs> you do hit me as that person, which I'm very much so. Am the same where it's like, um, you you might do before you ask. Is that is that kind of <laughs> correct? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> For yeah, sure. <laughs> like, that's a really, like, uh, that's a very real, that's like, especially in terms of, of playing music and, and getting up on stage and playing, like, you very much so have to just go trial by fire. It's kind of like learning French. Like, you can't really learn a language, whether it's music or whether it's uh, a literal language of communication with words, unless you're really, like, going in real time and doing the thing like you can study Rosetta yeah. stone, you can study music theory, whatever. But until you go out and do it and fuck up a couple times, that's when you're going to learn.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's the same as the, as I learned banjo, you know, you can sit and play by yourself. You know, you can use YouTube backing tracks, but jamming with other people, like the pressure that you feel when they when when it's your turn in the circle and they look at you and, oh. and you've already You've already played the solo that you memorized, you know. <laughs> and you're just like what? <laughs> so it's learning that freedom to. It's okay to mess up at it. It's okay to fail, but that's where you learn the most, you know.
1: You do, and it's a, it's that it's that concept of letting yourself let go of your ego because the only person telling you to keep a hold of your ego is you. Like the rest of the world is not forcing you to do that, and so if you yeah. can kind of look out of that very odd. Um, perspective of self and just allow yourself to fail a couple of times, you'll greatly improve. Like that's a, I'm glad you, uh, you've, you've experienced the same thing. It means it's probably true.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like if, and also if you can live through those moments of total failure and complete mortification, nothing's going to phase you. Cause the next time you mess up, you're like, Oh, I've this has happened before. I'll live.
1: Oh, <laughs> it's very true. It's that same yeah. way with breaking up with people. It's that same way with with maybe saying something wrong at a dinner and then having to apologize and like my mouth. I just say things a lot of times before <laughs> I think. I don't realize how it comes off. And I do the same thing musically. i realizing like the way I communicate as a, as a musician is very similar to the way I communicate as a human. And it's like, it's better to maybe think about things before you play them. It's better to think about things before you say them. But yeah, the concept of of failing. It's like, that's why I was, I was, uh, someone, I was doing an interview for a guitar magazine the other day and they were like, what was your worst messed up on stage? And they were like, did you feel not professional or something? I'm like, what are you, what kind of concept is this? It's like the most professional person is the person who doesn't think about if they're going to mess up, but they know when they're going to and they know how fast to recover.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and the times, (laughs) the times that I mess up, without doubt is when you're playing and you think you start thinking oh i did that right i'm doing so good i'm doing so good and then you mess up and you're like shit <laughs> or when you go don't mess up don't mess up don't mess up but when you just think about playing it and going for you know if you're saying don't mess up you're gonna mess up
1: are you familiar with charles bukowski at all no charles bukowski was like um very much so you know how like leonard cohen sounds very new york in his writing and so does like early bob dylan like it sounds well charles bukowski was like la um the depths Mm -hmm. of la just very poor skid row really terrible existence but he created some beautiful poetry out of it and his on his gravestone um is a quote from one of his poems and it's don't try And I, it took me, it took me like literally, I think 10 years of reading his work to be like, at first I read it, I'm like, fuck this guy. What does that even mean? That's stupid. Like, don't try. You're going to get there on your gravestone. It's like, no, and I'm realizing now it's like, when you try, you're getting in the way of what really should happen. When you try, you're trying to like have an expectation that you're trying to fulfill and you're probably going to get in the way of what really your full potential is. Yeah. Yeah. Expectations
0: of the enemy, for sure. In every, in every part of life, they are the enemy.
1: So like when you're going to move to Europe for a year, are you, you're again, like I wouldn't help, but like try to have some expectations, but what's your, what's your con, what's your approach to that whole thing?
0: Well, you know, it's really hard right now because everything still is closed off. Like um, the borders are closed, so I can't even plan. So I'm really (laughs) trying to practice the idea of not worrying about it because I'm such a planner. Usually I'm like, all right, I want to have my Airbnb booked. I want to have blah, 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 but I can't even book a flight because I don't know if I'll be able to fly into Paris. I know for a fact that I'm coming over here. I don't know what country I'll be able to get into. If ideal number one, I'll go, I'm going into Paris. Mm, If I can't, I'll come up to Ireland and stay with my friend until things change, you know, but I'm coming in May. I'm doing it. So I just have to kind of, you know, go with the flow, whatever the option that's open to me, I'm going to take it. And it's, it's hard for a a tiny, I'm a weird cross between a control freak and a anything goes person. In some aspects of my life, I want it all planned out. I want to know exactly what's happening, but in other aspects, I could just be like, all right, I have this all planned, but now I want to do this. And that's totally fine. And some people get frustrated with me about that, but
1: that's who I am. (laughs) That that's very much so the same way with me, and it it manifests in weird ways, like with travel. Very much so, like uh, quantitative. Very much so, let's have everything planned. Let's have every mile, every hour spoken for. But I find with music, I'm not very much that way. Pretty mm-hmm. much, I like to let things fly and and, and see where they go. Um, how about yourself? Um, it just depends. You know, I I get the I idea would, that you. Like, I have the idea that perhaps, with I, when I watch you perform, I have a feeling you're just letting it happen. Right. But your records seem very well produced and well thought out.
0: Yeah, they're well thought out. And and I think it, it came down to when I first started making music and records, like, I was so stressed out. Like, with the live, I was like, it has to sound like the record. And I finally got over that. I don't know when, but now I'm just like, it's going to sound how we're going to sound today, you know? And you're going to do an awesome solo and there's no steel on this song, but you're going to play some badass steel and it's going to be dope, you know? So I'm I'm getting yeah. so much more
1: relaxed. Yeah. I say dope. What up? Um, <laughs> I say dope <laughs> yeah. randomly. Like when I say it, I'm like, why did I, it's like saying fire. It's like, what, have I been on TikTok too much? Like, why am I? I said sick the other day. Sixth I was throwback that's <laughs> yeah
0: but I did but I was I said it to the, the wrong person <laughs> I mean yeah. not, I'm not even worried about it at all but I, I'm uh I'm I'm actually in the process of uh putting together a little book about my dad about memories of him and and I'm interviewing people I'm in the process of interviewing his friends and coworkers and people that were in his life right now and I was interviewing Jimmy Webb the Whoa. song the other day
1: oh my god yeah
0: and I said I, I was transcribing the interview, and I was like, "Yeah, that'd be sick, Jimmy."
1: <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "Sure." <laughs> yeah, he's he's so great. He's such a uh, an awesome dude. <laughs> you read? I'm assuming you've read Songsmith a couple times, then.
0: You know what? Um, I'm embarrassed to say I've started it a couple times, but got distracted. Yeah. So I'm when it's I get home. Hard. Yeah, and and he also just he recently came out with an amazing autobiography that's so full of cool stories. Um, oh gosh, what's it called? Oh, it's called "The Cake in the Rain," like from uh, Macarthur Park. Have you heard of it?
1: No, I haven't.
0: Ooh, you should definitely read that. Um, but yeah, when I get home, I'm I'm gonna read through Songsmith and and Cake in the Rain because um, Jimmy's just got the coolest stories and he. Interviewing him is so amazing because he remembers things in such clarity and detail, and he tell he's a songwriter. He's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. And when he's mm. recounting his memories, and I'm, you know, after after the fact I record it, and then I'm typing them out, and I'm like, I don't have to change a thing. I don't have to paraphrase. He's telling this story as if he's sitting there and typing out and editing a book. like it's amazing.
1: My God, it's like, that's really beautiful. Were you, when did you become aware of Jimmy's work in terms of you being able to be a fan of it for not being part of your father's legacy, but for being just that these are just great songs?
0: Oh, gosh. I mean, definitely when I started writing songs of my own, you know, right. when you start doing something, you realize how hard it is to, to really come up with that great stuff. Um,
1: yeah, it is hard,
0: and and yeah, and you start studying. You start studying other people's work, and you start going, "Wow, oh my gosh!" Um, Yeah, so Jimmy Jimmy's work is just such poetry. Have you ever heard of a song that he wrote called "Sun Shower"?
1: No, what is "Sun Shower"?
0: Okay. Oh my gosh, it's one of my favorite songs of all time, and the only recorded version of it is a live show that my dad did. So it's him. It's just him on acoustic guitar and. My dad came up with the arrangement, but Jimmy's chords in that song, like I I play that a lot, like in my live shows or in songwriters rounds, because I just want to show people like it's not just Wichita Lineman. And by the time I get to Phoenix, you know, this song is like pure poetry put to the most interesting chords you've ever heard. And my dad did this cool guitar version of it. So check it out. It's Glen Campbell live Sunshower.
1: Sun shower that, I I just your son, love that.
0: you're going to immediately want to learn it. Like it's crazy.
1: <laughs> I've learned so much of what your dad does and in going back to the concept of not doing things like the record, it's like your dad was in an early way, especially like at, at his scale of success, like one of the earliest examples of, of a person I can find really embracing that. Um, You know, especially, the, I don't know if you, I'm sure you have like watched like farm aid. Hmm. I think it was like 84 or something like that. Who, who was playing in that one? Oh, my God. I think Jimmy was playing with your dad, if I'm not mistaken. But your dad had on, like, this absurdly huge guitar strap that, like, went from his shoulder all the way to, like, his left breast. Like, it was huge. And I forget what guitar was. That's they did like Was it an eagle? Is there an eagle on the
0: strap or something? Yes,
1: there was. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. there absolutely was. Do you know the strap? I do know the strap, but I don't
0: think I've seen it. my dad played Mermaid. I've only yeah. seen videos of
1: clean, you know, clean plant and stuff. Uh, it was... uh, It was that Live Aid or Farm Aid. Oh, you know, it might have been Live Aid.
0: It was Live Aid. Okay, I got them crossed, but yeah.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. They do like... um, I think they did Southern Nights, Wichita Lineman, and... Rhinestone Cowboy, and then just like one more song. It was like a short appearance. Oh, that's he's so cool. Like, um, he's flying like he's literally like it's the feeling of for people who don't play music. It, this might be hard to talk about, but there's a literal flow that you can get to on in on stage where you are watching it happen, and it is just mm-hmm. flying, and it's like you yeah. you're just going, and what's coming out is beautiful. And he mm-hmm. was in that zone, like especially on Southern Nights. And it was one of the first things like I had gotten into from Glenn Campbell was that actual performance. And my God, man, he just let it go. Like melody I'm gonna, chords, guitar. I'm chords. gonna YouTube it as soon as we get off the <laughs> off
0: the <laughs> call. I'm totally gonna look at that.
1: That's beautiful that you're able to embrace your your who in, in, in who your father was for, for you knowing who he was, but then also for how he was to the world. It's interesting. I have a lot of friends who have very successful parents, both within music, within business, um, within a lot of domains of expertise in life. And you have an exceptional case of not really talking about it too much where you're not trying to like rest on that success, but then also like letting the influence shine through in a way that is really true and really like well-practiced, like, you know i listening to something lovely i was thinking oh maybe there's gonna be a song about her dad on there and i correct me if i'm wrong i don't know i don't think there is like in any overt way but the influence really shines through in just who you are as a person musically
0: thank you so much yeah there actually is a song about my dad it's it it was my first single um and i actually released it in 2015 back when i was with big machine um But it never made it. Did, it wasn't on my first album, and and it's one of my most well-known songs. It's a song that I wrote called "Remembering," about my dad's Alzheimer's. Um, so it's a very personal song to me um, about dealing with being going from my dad taking care of me, you know, father daughter relationship to daughter taking care of a father. So I thought it was really important to have that on my my second record, which is you know. Uh, when you look at any artist, you look at their records, you don't go to a one off single necessarily. So I wanted it to be a part of my body of work. Um, wow. And also the producer, um, Kai Welch, he co wrote the song with me. So I wanted to record a version with him as well. Um, but yeah, and speaking of like, you know, famous people's kids who eschew that part of their lives because they want to make it on their own, quote unquote. Right. Like, obviously it's a part of who I am and it would be doing myself a disservice to ignore the influence, the amazing influence that my dad had on me because it's part of who I am. But you know, it's, it's when the, the negative connotation comes from when you, you lean on it as a crutch and that's all you are. That's, that's the only thing that you toot as your identity is I'm Glenn Campbell's daughter. I'm blah, blah, you know, as opposed to, yeah, I'm Glenn Campbell's daughter, but this is who I am. And, oh, if you want to talk about that some more, we can, but we can also talk about anything else, you know? Right. Like, don't use it as a crutch. Just use it as something that you love about yourself, you know?
1: Whoa, it's very brave to love yourself. Like, that's a very, you know, that's a hard thing to do, especially when other people have expectations on how you should do it. Um, it's also yeah. not a hard thing to do. Like, But, you know, it's like, I, I think a lot of people would be thinking, well, if if that was me, I would do it this way and they might, you know, kind of um diss you for for not really going about it that way. You do a very classy job at it because it's something that's either done with class or something that's not mm-hmm. done with grace. Um very well done. Was that something that came in your in your raising? Like you seem to have a very good um foundation of 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 self-confidence and understanding. That doesn't seem like something you found like in your 30s obviously. Like it seems like you've had it for a while. Do you think that was reflected in in the way you were raised or is, absolutely
0: absolutely yeah. my, my mom and dad raised, raised my brothers and i to be and me
1: how many be, siblings do you have well you do you have no sisters it's just you well
0: so i have two brothers um two full brothers and then my dad had some other marriages before my mom and so i've got some half siblings and um you know not super close to a lot of them sure. um, some of yeah. them have issues you know mm-hmm. uh, but uh, my two brothers that i grew up with um are wonderful. And and our parents, we, we grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. My mom made it a point to get my dad to move out of LA and to Phoenix because he had a drug and alcohol problem at the time. And she wanted to get him out of that. So she needed to get him away from the bad influences and all the friends that were going to take him out to parties and stuff. So she moved the family to to arizona and that's where my brothers and i were raised i lived in arizona until i was 18 years old Mm. so we were not a part of the music industry everyone assumes we were we were born and raised in nashville but i didn't even go to nashville until i was in my early 20s with my dad on tour i know this is a little (laughs) this is crazy but like my first show in nashville this is so like oh look at her how does she think she's special yeah My first show in Nashville was the Ryman Auditorium. like
1: Yeah. My I was dream like, venue to sell out.
0: And, and it was not lost on me. I was just like, how is this my life? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's my dream to sell it out as me someday. You know, I've played there many, many times since then, but like never, just never as Ashley Campbell, except, you know, at the Opry and stuff, but... I would, you know, like Margot Price just, you know, did several sold out nights there and like, I'm just like so happy for her. And I'm just like, maybe someday I'll get to do that.
1: Yeah, my God, Margot Price is very, what a cool story. I used to watch her play at uh, the Five Spot, which is just like a dive bar in East Nashville. When I was like um, 18, 19, I would sneak in there and I would put in like a small liquor straw in my cup of Coca-Cola. So they thought it was like, I was old enough. And Margot would be playing in there to nobody and it, mm-hmm. it was just like man this talent is absurd like what's happening like yeah. why doesn't this person have any recognition then you know give it once well, i was so call that eight years and then it's like here she is doing three nights at the Ryman it's like there it is
0: yeah well they call it a 10-year town for a reason i think mm-hmm. you know i'm coming up on eight years this april so we'll see
1: <laughs> damn yeah <laughs> well whatever time okay. time is weird time's a relative Relative concept. It do, is. Do you find that living in in Nashville is good for you for yourself, creatively speaking?
0: Um, I love living in Nashville, but obviously I have like aspirations to live abroad. Um, so yeah. you know, but I need to. I think I need to explore that that wish, that desire to live abroad, and and then I'll at the end of this year, hopefully, I'll know like, okay, I want to go back to Nashville and make make a real home there, or maybe I want to stay abroad. I don't know. I'll always have roots in Nashville um but Nashville I love how accessible great musicians are in Nashville and it's easy to collaborate and be creative in that way but honestly I I find that for me I get so distracted that I'm more creative when I'm somewhere else when I'm away from the distractions so like I'm here in this cottage in Ireland and I'm getting so much done you know yeah
1: yeah so like, what's, what's the concept of you getting things done? You said that you do journaling. Does that help with your writing? Uh, what's your whole approach to the creative process? That's always something I love to, to ask people because everyone is literally different and that's just a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to journal every day. Um, I just started doing this thing where for the first 30 minutes of the morning, I don't even look at my phone. And I just take out my journal and I write for 30 minutes just about what happened yesterday or what's what I dreamed about or what's going on in my mind right now. Um, And I'm even starting, I'm trying, I'm not like super consistent at it, but starting to just meditate or just spend 10 minutes in silence with my eyes closed every day as well, just to see what comes across my mind, you know, and things like that. And, but one of my favorite ways to be creative is is to turn on this mic and a little verb like we were talking about at the beginning and um <laughs> and just play with a guitar and when you hear it, it cuz I love hearing it as a it mm-hmm. sounds like a finished product it sounds like you're s- standing on on a stage and listening to the verb slap back from a from a big theater and and it's so inspiring and it and I start writing music that way and so I really enjoy doing that and just you know
1: I love being alone. It's so nice. I really love being alone. That's like, that was something that I had a hard time empathizing with when I saw like the general population being like, I hate this quarantine thing. It's like, well, you don't play music. Like you don't get it then. <laughs> it's like that whole know, thing. Did,
0: did you see the meme that Jordan Tice made? Do you know Jordan Tice?
1: No, I'm not hip to him. What's what's Jordan's oh, deal? You
0: gotta check him out. You should totally have him on the podcast. He He's, um, he's an amazing guitarist. And he did this meme when the quarantine started where it was like, everybody else, oh, no, I'm all alone. What am I going to do at home all day? And then it was a picture of him with lasers coming out of his eyes, holding a guitar. And it was like, guitarist, be like.
1: (laughs) 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 It's so true. That's so funny. funny. Yeah, there's like, um there's a weird thing that goes on in our minds. Like how is it that we access things that are so like meant for other people in complete solitude? Like that contrast really freaks me out. Like I don't like the thing that I bring to the world is the thing that I find only when I'm by myself. Like that's weird.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, well, really what you're bringing to the world is, is I think, I think it's what you want to say to yourself, you know, not necessarily what you want to say to other people. You end up saying it to other people, but I don't know. That, that's that's kind of how I see it, I
1: guess. Whoa. The thing that I, I've been trying to think about now lately with music is like, am I discovering more of who I am with the more time that I spend with it? Or am I just trying to like fulfill like some goal that's like maybe monetary, monetarily based or um, esteem based, like playing on somebody's <laughs> album or, or trying to like... I think the concept of trying to fulfill things by discovering who you are, like you just said, is is very real. Are you finding that journaling is 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 helping you with that with that whole concept? Are you writing more more songs? Or you you know? I know I had a friend. I was just talking with my friend, tallest man on earth, Christian Mat- Mattson. Um, oh, I happened to pronounce his last name wrong. Um, he's Swedish. So it's a hard last name. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Christian. He'll <You'll> understand. <laughs> he will. He's a very kind and down to earth guy. And he, he said he wasn't really able to finish a lot of songs last year, but he Mm -hmm. had a lot of like finished song, like um, a lot of unfinished songs. Um, That's
0: that's me too. Absolutely. Like I've had so many ideas and I've written them all down and I have so many songs in my bank that I'm, that I have like ideas, like little jump off points for, but I don't know. I I do believe that. I mean, obviously there's a mix of, all right, you got to sit down and you actually got to put in the work, but there's also an element of you have to be inspired to do it as well. So I, I have, I'm a firm believer in, you know, a song was meant to be written exactly when you write it. And so I'll get to them and wow. I will. And at that moment, whenever I do get to them, I will have had the perfect experience in my belt to write that song, even though I thought of it a while ago,
1: you know? Whoa. Yeah. Well, that's like, that's so cool. I really am envious that you're like naturally arriving at that. I've had to really think about that. I wonder if that comes from you. I mean, you might have like this, um, your perspective on life might be different than most people's because like um, people move to Nashville and they like have to make it work in like a certain period of time or they, they run out of cash or they run out of support socially uh, and they have to move back home. And I felt like that can be like, Jim Carrey says like right that you do things out of two reasons you either do it out of love or you do it out of fear. And it's unfortunate because like living in a city like Nashville a lot of the time it takes a very brave person um to pursue something purely out of love even though that, that might actually in the long run give you the best results possible. A lot of people pursue things out of fear. I got to take this gig even though the artist is shitty and I don't like the music at all but it's going to like pay for for like what I got to put in my freezer. And mm-hmm. it's like but you're having this like very like genuine love and like relationship with music that no one's pressuring you to, to, to do this. And you're arriving at that very nice truth. How long have you kind of had that? You're like, you don't seem like you're in a hurry at all to like, to do that, like to try to sell out the rhyme and you're not like making a vision board being like, it doesn't happen by then I'm fucked. (laughs) Well,
0: there, there you go with expectations. Again, if you, if you write a song with the expectation, this is going to take me right to the top You you wrote the song for the wrong reasons, but I did. I spent a lot of time waiting around in that fear-based writing pool. Let me tell you, and I've, I've never been so depressed in my entire life. You know, when I was with the big record label and, and there was so much pressure to write for radio, you need a radio hit. And I was, I was miserable. I was considering quitting music altogether and going to culinary school or something like nice. Yeah. I just because I love cooking, but I was just like, if this is how it's gonna be, if this is what it takes to to make money and be successful, like I can do anything else and still play music for me, but maybe I'm not gonna make music make money doing music and that's okay, I guess. but, um, you know, I I did hang on and I, I quit the the pressure of all of that and and I feel so much better and you know, I, I write because I want to write something or I need to write something and not because, you know, I need to have a hit because that's right. you know eh, mm, gross.
1: Well, and it's also like, wait, why do I need to write something for radio? Because like these people that work at this label are going to promote this song that I don't even get to choose what the single is. I don't mm-hmm. get to choose like what the, the, the narrative is to the public and I don't even get to choose who is listening to it. Like, it's not, and you don't get to choose that with social media or when you put something out on Spotify, but it's like less like, and then it costs a lot of money to promote those singles too. Like, and you're going to have to like pay that back eventually, unless you have the funds up front to do so, which very few people do. Yeah. so You get into this, like my friend, Joe Bonamassa, who sold the Ryman out, I think over 10 times.
0: Yeah. Crazy numbers. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's like, he built it all himself. And we're in this era now where you can literally build it yourself. If you put in the work to not only put in the work to literally have the, to like get it out there but like to put in the work to like develop who you are as a person. Like it's so easy to think that you can just move to Nashville and write a song for radio. And like, that's what get you successful. It's like, who's to say that that song just does well for a couple months. You play a couple state fairs, you make $50,000 and that's it. Like that's odds are like, that's really what happens. And it's weird that people are promoting like this, this like short term based goal. It's like a get rich quick with music. It's like, why not actually just put in the work Find out who you are and build a real connection with your fan base and talk to those people for as long as you want to talk, however many years that is, which is yeah. exactly what your dad did. I mean, up until he died, yeah. it, even after oh, people, totally. the music lives yeah. on, it gets bigger. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, and
0: I, I want to like myself at the end of the day because w- right. when you think about it, like when I was trying to, oh, write for radio, you need a radio hit. I don't even like anything they're playing <laughs> on the radio. Why would I want to be in that group of people?
1: Right. Like, yeah. what's that yield? Yeah. I get
0: it. What? I, what, what? No. Money? Nothing. <laughs> like, uh, good, I can make money right. doing anything else, you know? Like, and yeah, I just, uh, I lost my track of thought, but.
1: <laughs> well, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's very weird that people tell you that this should be your goal with your, with your talent. It's like. Yeah what that's so crazy to me i wish like that's something in nashville that i i have a hard time understanding Mm -hmm. you know it's very odd like i don't have you ever played whiskey jam i think i've seen you there a couple times yeah yeah i've played like once or twice i think it's like you know it's like just people trying to like there's like that it's kind of like la-ish which I love LA, like I really do. But there is like a there are certain types of people that their only motive is to like, oh, you're with this publishing company, you're with BMG. Okay, let me get your number. Like, let's write so I can try to get a cut. It's like that's very social climbing. It doesn't ever pay off in the long run.
0: Oh gosh, yeah. There's so many people that are like, Oh, we should write sometime. I'm like, I've been <laughs> using an excuse like, uh, yeah, I don't know you. I've been using an excuse like, you know, I'm only I'm only doing solo rights right now. <laughs>
1: Ha, 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 that's great. I'm
0: really, I'm I'm not co-writing right now.
1: I don't blame you. Yeah, I only co-write with, I think, about five or six people. And that took me me three years to find those people.
0: Well, you have to go through those co-writes where you get paired with someone that you have nothing in common with and everything that comes out of their mouth, you hate. Yeah, it's like a... And you're just stuck with them for three hours and you're trying to make up excuses like, oh, I... I have diarrhea. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you, so if, if, this might be the best thing ever to end on is if Ashley shows up to a <laughs> co-write with a banjo and then we're trying to write a song for radio and you have to leave because you said you have diarrhea. This might be the best thing that's ever happened on Music Row <laughs> in recent history. <laughs> I've never
0: used that as a, as an excuse to get out of something, but it's like my dream
1: to use that someday. Uh, that's so like uh that's so louis ck it's so like the thing you shouldn't say
0: yeah i just want them wondering like why would she feel like she should share that with me she should have made up anything else like is it true like i want them thinking about it
1: (laughs) (laughs) i want them thinking about it damn that's really funny i wish i could have seen some of your comedy are are you doing it like is there any like archive of that or anything like that i had no idea oh my god
0: um I never did stand-up comedy really, but I did some sketch comedy and improv and there's a couple videos. I actually, yeah, it, it's very silly, but I, I did, um, my friend, um, Dennis Hemphill was a Sunday company member at the groundlings. And he had this pretty right. popular YouTube channel mm-hmm. called Humpty, H U M M P Y. And he, it was back, you know, when American Idol was still a really big deal. And we did this fake American Idol audition. And I was this, I played this character called Mary. Um, crazy mary and it blew up it went viral it got something like 14 million views
1: fuck yeah it's awesome yeah
0: and it was insane um and so people were recognizing me on the street they're like it's crazy mary hey i see you on youtube (laughs) i was like great you'll see the character and you'll be like oh she she doesn't want to be recognized for that (laughs) but yeah it's crazy i did like my she was just totally insane and she did a a randy newman style song i was like you got a
1: friend in me yeah (laughs) it's very weird I (laughs) i think if people can make fun of you that's a good sign of success like if you if you are so unique to where you can be made fun of like that's a very real thing
0: Yeah. I mean, um, it's fine. I know
1: who I am. It's fine. Mm, You really do. That was, that's a beautiful thing to come. I love talking to people who have a strong sense of self. Like it very much so reassures me. And I think it's very valuable to, for people who are listening to just know that it's all right to be who you are. And like, that's part of your job is to try to figure out who that person is. And you seem through your music. Of course, I I felt that. And now speaking to you as a person, it's even more reaffirmed. Thank you for your time. This was, it's a beautiful conversation.
0: Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me on. I was so pleased when you reached out because I actually saw you playing at Roberts on Broadway. Mm-hmm. You must have been like 19 or something. Yeah. It was back in 2013. And and I it was my first time because I just moved to Nashville. It was my first time on Broadway at a honky tonk. Wow. Uh, yeah, and 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 you guys were playing and I was like, this is amazing. And and someone whoever took me there was like, Yeah, that's Daniel Donato. Did I, am I saying your name right?
1: That is correct.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um. I just realized I've never like said it to you. Um. But yeah. So, and you were playing and they're like, yeah, he's, he's not even 21. He's not even supposed to be in here, but he, he is. Cause he's so good. And I just was so like impressed with you. And, and I was like, and I, ever since that moment, I'm like, yeah, anyone who wants to go to any tourists who come to town or friends who are visiting Nashville. I'm like, Roberts is the only place with good music. That's the it only is. place you go. It is
1: true. It's like, so true. Yeah, it's so true. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's my dream to do live at the Ryman and then go play at Roberts and put that on yeah. the record. Oh, that, that was amazing. I know, you know, I've played there over 500 times and it's just like, I really know that building very well. It's a magical building, man. I'm it's glad so that it, it resonates with step you. In there. People still two-step in there,
0: you know? I know. It's the only bar that doesn't have disgusting c- current country covers
1: playing, you know? There is no Old Town Road at Robert's Western World. Yeah. <laughs> <thank that>. you. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, I wish you happy travels, oh, happy new year, and and, and and everything else on all your endeavors. Thank you for the time, Ashley. This was fun. Thanks so much.
0: Hopefully, we'll hang out
1: soon. Hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Miss Ashley Campbell. Please do indeed go check out her record, and her Instagram page is very enjoyable very well curated um, if you all feel free to support the cosmic country podcast the lost highway on patreon uh, on the link below uh, follow us on Spotify i leave us a review on Apple podcasts I really do like to hear what you guys think and how you feel about things it's say how you feel because i won't know any other way and i am very interested and empathetic and i want to know exactly how you guys are feeling if you don't like something if the sound quality could be better um you know if you think i should cut my hair i don't any opinion (laughs) share it because it deserves to be heard uh most importantly go indeed sign up for the cosmic country club it is free it is exclusive it's fun new music new videos new Patreon posts, all the things. Thank you guys so much. Um, Y'all stay patient, stay persistent, stay positive. i will see y'all down the road. Oh yeah, also, we're going to tour this year. That's definitely going to happen. So definitely join the Cosby Country Club because we sell tickets there first too. All right, y'all, catch you later.